Father, we thank you uh, that we can gather together to hear from you. Lord, you're the God who speaks. So Lord, we are listening to you. Please help us to respond in the right way. Lord, we are weak. There's so many things we don't know. Teach us now, we pray. Amen. Your car is German. Your vodka is Russian. Your pizza is Italian. Your kebab is Turkish. Your democracy is Greek. Your coffee, Brazilian. Your movies are American. Your tea is Tamil. Your shirt is Indian. Your oil is Saudi Arabian. Your electronics are Chinese. Your numbers, Arabic. Your letters, Latin. And you complain that your neighbor is an immigrant. (laughs) We live in a diverse city, in a diverse society, a diverse nation, a diverse world. Many people, many backgrounds, many experiences, many lifestyles. And of course, a big question is given that wonderful diversity, how does our city, how does our society, how does our nation operate for the good of all? How do we treat people who are different, we think, from us? People with a different background, different experiences, different race, different religions. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a concept that underpins how our society navigates that complexity. And it is the whole subject of equality. Equality. You see, as Andy has already mentioned, we're in the middle of a series called Jesus the Game Changer, where we're looking at some kind of key foundations of our society and how you can trace the path back to being Jesus, who changed the game, and it's on his foundation, the foundation of the church, on which many of those values lie. And if you haven't yet seen one of these flyers, pick one up on the way out of the welcome point with details of the subjects that are happening. But today we're thinking about equality. And by way of introduction, by the way, if you're into reading and you fancy a kind of more thorough look at some of the issues, can I commend this book to you? It's called The Evolution of the West by Nick Spencer, How Christianity Has Shaped Our Values. It's not the lightest reading, can I say, but it is brilliant. Do get hold of it if that's of interest. The UN Declaration of Human Rights begins with these words. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. The American Declaration of Independence begins, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Even here in the UK, the government recently, you may know this, and if you're involved in education, I'm sure you know it. The government's tried to clarify some of the things that underpin our society, and they've termed them as British values. And they've provided a list for schools, according to Ofsted. Here there are the fundamental British values. Are you ready for them? They are democracy. We're going to look at that in a future weeks. In other words, everybody counts. Everybody has a vote. The rule of law. 
that no one is above the law, no matter how much wealth, how much status they are. Individual liberty, that everybody has freedoms, regardless of their background, education, race, and so on. And then the final one, a mutual respect for and tolerance of those with different faiths and beliefs and for those without faith. One word summarizing many of those is the word equality. And I guess many of us uh, would say yes to all of that without ever really thinking where that might come from. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, that any of us in this room right now can pick up a phone and dial three numbers and get an ambulance to come and help us or a policeman to come and help us. Regardless of how well-educated, regardless of how wealthy, regardless of our background, anyone with three pushes of a button can get somebody to come and rescue them. Or if any of us get into trouble with the law, we all have a right to stand before a group of our randomly selected peers. It's called a jury and present our case to them. We all have an equal right because we're to be treated equally. But have you ever asked where all this comes from? Why? We take so much of it for granted, but still in some places in the world, and certainly as you look through history, that equality is lacking. And it's all because we in this society have what you might have heard as a Judeo-Christian background. It's quite a complex way of simply saying we have a society that has its roots founded on the Bible and the Bible teaching. And equality comes from that. And so if we can have this verse on the screen. This verse from the book of Genesis underpins so much of what's going on. If we could have it on the screen, please. Genesis chapter one, right at the beginning of the Bible, we read these words. I haven't got a clicker, here we go. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. That underpins so much of our society. Some very simple words, and as we'll see, some words that if we walk away from, leads in some quite scary places. I was reading an article recently from the Wall Street Journal, as you do, and in it was a story about one of the editors, an Iranian-born guy called Sorar Ahmadi, and he talks about how he, from his background, became a Christian. Listen to these words as he, in the West, began to see some of the fabric of our society. He said, if I enjoyed the beauty and ordered liberty I saw around me, then I had to give credit to the ideals that gave birth to it. You couldn't have one without the other. The beauty and order reflected an underlying truth. Equality, all people equal. And so we're going to ask two very simple, very brief questions today. What do we mean when we talk about equality? What is it? And the second question, why is it so important? So firstly, what do we mean? We're going to keep this verse on the screen for a while. What do we mean when we use the word equality? 
Our society loves it. We love it. It's so important. It forms the bedrock. But if we're honest, our society can be a bit confused about what we mean by the word equality. Even those list of British values with many good aspects to it, we all slightly differentiate on it. Let me read again, for example, the value mutual respect for and tolerance of those with different faiths and beliefs and for those without faith. There's a subtle word in there, which I think is really important. Mutual respect for and tolerance of those with different faiths and beliefs, not mutual tolerance and respect of different faiths and beliefs. Now, why is that important? Let me explain to you before you jump on me for a moment. Imagine, would you, shock horror, that somebody campaigning to be a leader in one of the world's superpowers suddenly believes that it's right to treat women in a certain way. Shock, imagine. (laughs) Do we say that's an equal belief, it's fine for them to view that, to have that value? Of course not. We don't tolerate the belief but we do tolerate them as an individual. They have a freedom to believe it, whether we like the belief or not. Or, bluntly, if somebody believes that it's right to blow up lots of people, do we tolerate that belief? No. None of us tolerate all beliefs. But there's something way more important here, a more fundamental equality that is rooted in the pages of the Bible is that every single person as a person needs to be treated equally. They have an inherent dignity and value. So equality in our society is not equality of belief or actions. That's why we have law. That's why we have things like that. Not everybody acts in a way that we would say is equal. But as individuals, we treat everybody with a value that is the same as everybody else. True equality is more significant than what we do or what we believe. It's who we are. Why? Because every human being made in God's image, male and female, he created them. All mankind made in God's image. So we define equality that every single human being, regardless of what they do, regardless of what they believe, has an equal value and dignity. That's what we mean when we talk about equality. Are you with me? Good. (laughs) Second question then is, why is equality so important? And there's three aspects to this. Firstly, equality is so important in our society, so important in our lives, because everyone reveals something of who God is. Look again at those words. God created mankind, all of humanity, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you see the word created? This is not some accident. You are not an accident, no matter what you believe. You're created, crafted. And there is something of God and his image in you, which means you... Yes, you are really important. And therefore, male and female, for example, two differences, made in God's image. Different, but all made in God's image. That's good. 
And therefore, everybody in this room is valuable because they reflect something of God's image. So look at your neighbor. Go on, look at the person sat next to you right now. They represent something of God. Isn't that amazing? May not look like it this time in the morning. (laughs) And therefore, at the DNA in our society, you cannot do what you want with them or to them because they are inherently valuable and have inherent dignity that is not because our society says so, but because God says so. And so any leader who says we don't like this group of people, we have a higher authority, God. Equality is important because it means we treat everybody with a dignity and value. And therefore when we do away with God being the one in whom our identity is found, we can end up in very tricky territory. The fact that we are made in God's image, the fact that the person sitting next to you is made in God's image, means that you cannot devalue them as an individual. For example, gender. You can't devalue them, anybody on the basis of gender. Which is, by the way, for us as a church, why some of our foundations about shared leadership and wanting men and women in leadership is right there. Because there's something of God's image in both male and female. Different, representing something of God. It's also, by the way, can I say, why marriage is so hard. Because male and female are different, but yet essential in terms of representing something of God. And so therefore, that's why it's really hard work. They're different. But that's also probably where the gift is as well. We see something of God's. And so equality is so important because it's rooted in who God is. When we see each other, we see something of God. And we see that in the example of Jesus. I'm gonna just sketch a story from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus says these words, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, talking about children. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And he talks this story about a shepherd who one of the sheep wanders off. And he says these words. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. The one is is crucial to God. Why? Because everybody is made in God's image. And so Jesus says every single one, even children in his culture which were denigrated, said no, they're crucial to God. So whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your experience, you are valuable in God's sight. You are not an accident. You are crafted, created. You are essential. You are not less made in God's image than anyone else in this room or in history. As the old saying goes, chin up, you're a child of the king. So equality is really important because we see something of God. But it's also really important because if we look around us, it's constantly being challenged in our society. Hopefully we'll all agree that equality of value of people is important. But one of the interesting things about the age in which we live is that the further we move away from our Christian foundations, the more easy it is 
to move away from things like the value and inherent value of every single person. And the note is, of course, one day we may be outside that circle, as we'll see in a moment. And this came home uh, in the last week or so ago. I don't know if you saw the BBC documentary by Sally Phillips called A World Without Downs. Anyone see that? That's of interest. Sally Phillips, the actress who is in Bridget Jones and all that, uh, has a son with Down syndrome and wrote, has produced a documentary. It's well worth looking at on iPlayer. Go and have a look at it. In which he looks at uh, the, the kind of desire in many societies to effectively eliminate uh, Down syndrome and so on, uh, and what kind of society that would create. It's worth watching. But interestingly, she was on a program with Frank Skinner, which was one of these programs where you kind of review that, you know, this week's TV, and she kind of says, there's these three programs I watched. And one of the programs that they looked at was a Newsnight program in which uh, uh, Stephen Sacker interviewed this guy called Peter Singer. Peter Singer is a professor at Princeton University, a major global figure in ethics. And he's got some pretty controversial views because he believes that, for example, children with severe disabilities are not necessarily fully human and so therefore can be terminated after birth. Now, regardless of getting in the ins and outs of it, the obvious thing is the moment you walk away from the idea that God created all human beings in his image, therefore they have an inherent dignity, regardless of what they do or do not do, regardless of what they believe or do not believe, there is an inherent dignity and value. The moment we step away from that Christian foundation, Jesus welcomed the children, we get into tricky territory and as Sally Phillips says, it's all very well until we're the ones outside the circle. Treating people equal is key. There is no them, only us, in the words of you two. And so I guess the challenge for us all is, how do we view our neighbors, those with disabilities, those with a different religious background to us, those with a different racial background, those with different bank balance, those with different dot, 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 dot. How do we see them? Do we see them as other? Or do we see something of God's image in them, even if we differ on how they live their life or what they do or what they believe? Do we value them as made in God's image? So it's important because we see something of God in people. It's important because it's constantly being challenged. And thirdly and finally, as I come to a close, equality is so important because it's central to the good news of Jesus. And this is where we turn to the reading that Andy read at the beginning. It's central to the gospel. Because in the story that Andy read, you've got Peter after Jesus has died and rose again. The church is growing, there's amazing things happening. And then suddenly this guy, Cornelius, who is not a Jewish person, but is a Gentile and is a Roman. The enemy. <gasps> and Peter has this amazing dream of effectively people outside the Jewish background being acceptable to God because of what Jesus has done. Amazing, and we have this kind of dialogue with Peter and, and, and God in which he's sort of saying, Lord, what? What? 
And then we reach this conclusion, if we can have the verse for this on the screen. Where Peter says, now I realize that God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation. And he goes on and says, everyone who believes in Christ receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone. Equality is key because it's right at the heart of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And so if you are here today and you're kind of, you you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you're not sure, and your kind of relationship with the church is a little bit iffy or whatever, the beauty is God treats us equally and looks at us without favoritism. So if you're somebody that's grown up believing that you're not quite, you haven't got the right bank balance or the right education or the right color skin or the right whatever, God doesn't show favoritism. That is a beautiful thing. Made in God's image. But because everybody is equal, as Paul also says in the Bible, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all screwed up. We've all got stuff in our lives that we wish was different, stuff that offends God. But then Jesus came and the available offer of forgiveness is available for all, including you, including me. Which is a complete change of worldview for Peter and a complete change of worldview for many in our society. Christianity is not about what you do. God's showing no favorites, but all have sinned and therefore all have the opportunity of forgiveness in Christ. Which leads, as I come to a close, to two reactions, two responses for all of us. The first is a humility. That therefore we are not superior to anyone at all. If we are followers of Christ, the only reason we have hope is because of Christ who offers forgiveness to all. And so any hint of humility over any group, any action, well, it means that we haven't grasped this. (laughs) If you think of the greatest saint that you can think of, if you're a Christian, you're as acceptable to God as they are. Isn't that good news? There's a humility here. But there's also a great thankfulness as I close. The thankfulness that everybody has access equally before God. Christ is there with his arms open wide to you and to me. And therefore we, if we are followers of Jesus, want to extend that same invitation to all. There is no them, only us. Come join me at the foot of the cross. What a good news this is, that God looks at us and sees Christ. May we then extend that same invitation to those around us and treat them accordingly.